When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 70. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation, as the Pittsburgh Steelers get ready for their regular season finale in Week 18 against the Cleveland Browns, which we know will take place Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing good, and as I posted last, you know, I, I don't know about you, too, Tuesday night during a regular weekend, the NFL season to me is, is kind of the best night uh, uh, that there is because uh, there's not as much going on. You only really have the Tomlin, Mike Tomlin stuff during the day. And uh, you have all the, uh, all the game film in the all 22 and all like that. I get, I am at my, I'm, I'm like, a, I'm, I'm like a pig in slop really, because you know, I have the all 22 running for most of the night there. I'm able to take some notes. I'm, I'm able to go meticulously through it and, uh, not as many distractions. So I I'm probably always in a better mood on, on Wednesday morning than, than any other day, because I just, I thoroughly enjoy what, what I get to do on Tuesday night. So happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Well, I think the NFL is in a slightly better mood, but still a tense Mm. one uh, coming off. Obviously, what happened on Monday night, the first time that Dave and I are getting to talk about this publicly, our first podcast since what happened to uh, Pittsburgh native and Buffalo Bill safety, DeMar Hamlin, in the Monday night game against the Bengals, as you guys probably know by by now, uh, tackled T. Higgins uh, with 558 left in the first quarter. Uh, Hamlin did stood up and then collapsed, needed CPR, and then was taken to a Cincinnati a hospital where he remains in critical condition. But the reports from, I believe, Hamlin's uncle and some other uh, reports indicate that, that he's showing some signs of improvement, still sedated, still, again, critical condition. So very tense moments here, but some early encouraging signs on Mar Hamlin. Obviously, the outpouring of support for him has been fantastic. And while his Buffalo Bills teammates and, and that community has been affected the most, I think Pittsburgh certainly feeling the, uh, the weight of that as well. Again, uh, Hamlin, a... Pittsburgh native went to Central Catholic High School, played his college ball at Pitt, and Mike Tomlin, speaking at his Tuesday press conference, uh, talked about knowing Hamlin since he was 12 years old, had a, a long uh, relationship. So obviously Buffalo feeling the weight of that most immediately, but the Pittsburgh community feeling that as well, and our thoughts and prayers with Hamlin and his family. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I think there's uh, some some positive from what I'm gathering on 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 Twitter on this Wednesday morning on on kind of how he's responded to things uh, overnight and on. So we'll just I don't want to get into details because I don't want to say what you know. Uh, pass on something that might be incorrect or whatnot, but it just, it, it sounds encouraging uh, right now. And as you mentioned, and look, I mean, you, you go on Instagram or Twitter and all like that. And uh, he had, you know, he's got a lot of uh, ties to a lot of you know uh, uh, guys on the Steelers roster, obviously pit guys. And it looks like several other guys may have worked out with him, you know, through the process and all like that. So uh, especially with him being a Pittsburgh kid and uh, you know, Mike Tomlin, 
Uh, I like how Mike Tomlin addressed it yesterday, and uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit of discussion maybe to be had there. Of course, teams, uh, uh, most teams, from what I understand, around the NFL canceled their media sessions, did they not? I believe most did, yes. And, you know, obviously the Steelers and Mike Tomlin didn't, and I think that 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 maybe surprised a lot of people, but I, I, I look at it at this after the fact that Mike Tomlin – uh, doesn't like things to change during a work week. Uh, he likes the continuity uh, mm-hmm. aspect of it. I don't think he was, I don't think him doing that uh, was in any or should in any way be considered disrespectful. No. Uh, I just think that he, 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 he wants the continuity of the NFL season. Uh, now he did address uh, Hamlin's uh, situation, obviously during his press conference, as you would expect he would. Uh, but he, you know, he didn't take many questions after the fact. I would imagine that behind closed doors, they're they're having quite a few conversations about about what happened to Hamlin and uh, uh, getting past it, not only on a personal level, but 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 as far as a team level as well too. So uh, I once again I I imagine that would be put some conversation be had there, but that's how I probably understand Mike Tomlin handling this. I think so as well. I think at least players uh, expect them to speak today, no changes to the schedule. I think that's some of the continuity that Tomlin wants to keep, especially in a very critical must win week 18. I think one reason why Tomlin also wanted to speak was to, to share his thoughts because he's a guy that knows Hamlin extremely well wanted to uh to offer that perspective didn't want to answer a lot of questions about it but wanted to at least uh make that that address um to the media which of course we wrote about and there, there's there's a lot of ties there ties to sean mcdermott the the bill's head coach they were teammates together at william and mary that's been well documented and tomlin said he's reached out to to sean mcdermott to offer any support any help that that he potentially can but you know i was kind of had the game on in the background whenever it was happening because i was working and then what got my attention, obviously, because I was kind of not paying attention the whole time, was whenever I saw the reports that there was CPR being performed mm. on the field. And you just, I just, I'm going numb right now just thinking about that. Just when you see that, you sit there and go, what in the world is going on? What is happening? And it was just so scary, so, so tense. And obviously, still, you know, a tense situation for Hamlin's condition right now, but just words you didn't think you would read about on a football field. Yeah. I mean, look, a uh, freak, just kind of a freak incident there. And, you know, you go back to just kind of the, uh, we just, just, you know, not more, a little more than a week ago, we're talking about Franco Harris, you know, uh, and him suddenly passing. It's just a, another, you get my age and you see it, you know, some of the things and the tragedies and how quickly lives, lives can change. And this is just yet another reminder of, of, I mean, this is a game, you know, we, we, you know, they're, they're blessed to get paid, you know, to, to, to play a game uh, and a lot of risk come with that. And I think it, you kind of get comfortable as a fan aspect. That's why I really enjoyed Ryan Clark and uh, you know, the port the, the guys on the network, they keep saying, well, let's go to commercials, no new news. And it was finally good for them. I think to get that a- away from the, the play-by-play guys over to the studio to have guys like uh, Van Pelt and, and Ryan Clark uh, discuss and, and an ex and a former player specifically and someone like Clark who 
has been on the field for a lot of scary situations, you know, his, right. his own included. And then sure. obviously the, the Willis McGahee hit, you know, uh, so, several years ago. So he has firsthand perspective of, of, of how that can be viewed. Uh, and it was, you know, I, I, I thought once they moved that from, from, on site to in the studio, I, I, you know, I thought it was handled a lot better there. Or at least a discussion was able to move on a lot better there, but, but going back to kind of what I said, I, you know, it's just a reminder that, you know, we, we take for granted the risk that, that the, I, I tell you, there, there are almost every game that I turn on nowadays, uh, and, and watch, I think to myself, man, I, how do some of these guys, <laughs> some of these hits, Mm-hmm. these guys take you know and even you go back to that uh chargers uh colts game uh a couple week you know a couple monday nights ago uh that that big hit in that game that ended up in the ejection how in the heck did that uh you know the player on the other team to get up from that hit you know Right. Uh, and you know, obviously, uh, uh the focus on concussions and and the whole the whole Tua thing this year and you know, and that ended up being on the same field, I think, too. Uh, uh, at least one of those hits, are, you know, against Cincinnati was and all like that. And uh, you constantly flash back to what happened to, to Ryan Shazier, you know, uh, several years ago. Uh, also in Cincinnati. Right. Also, also, you know, crazy enough there. Uh, but uh, it's, it's, it's just a it's just, a, I, I think, a life reminder, a reset in your own head that, you know, uh, your life can change on a dime, period. Uh, whether it be impacted for the rest of your life or your life in, you know, uh, don't take, don't take for granted <laughs> things in your life, especially like, you know, what, what we do, you know, we are blessed mm-hmm. to do what we do. I'm sure those athletes feel, feel, feel blessed to do what they do, but, uh, you know, it's just another reminder that ha- how quickly things can change. Absolutely. If there is any sort of good to come out of this horrible situation, it is. I just checked the GoFundMe that Demar Hamlin had set up a while back for his toy drive fund. It's already over six million dollars, and that was the original goal of, of way back when of twenty five hundred dollars. So I think uh, I think they've surpassed expectations there. But yeah, still very scary overall. I thought, as you mentioned, what Ryan Clark said, that perspective was really important to have. And I thought, you know, ESPN and Clark and SCP in particular handled a difficult situation extremely well. And I thought Clark's message was important. And, you know, what Bogan McFarland said and just trying to put all the focus on Hamlin and making sure that he was OK. So big credit to the, the doctors and paramedics and whole medical staff with on the field in the hospital right now. Um, it seems like in, in, in the moment that they've uh, saved uh, Damar Hamlin's life and they're certainly heroes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just, just a situation. You just did not think you would be sitting there watching. Right. And uh, look, I mean, it was uh, both, both teams, both teams, everybody in that stadium was shook, you know? So uh, I think the right decision obviously was made to, to suspend that game, you know, I, 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 who knows when they're going to, you know, make it, does it matter? I mean, it, I, I guess it does to some degree because it's an important game, but my, my, my whole thought on this at this point is they'll figure it out. <laughs> right. And I, I, that's yeah. the stance I take. They'll figure it out. It, it, at some point it'll, a decision will have to be made, but it's, it's still secondary right now. Right. And, 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 and when they figure it out, it'll, it'll, it'll appease some people and it'll make some people mad, like every, everything else. So, uh, I, I don't really have anything extra to add to any of that, uh, ideas on how to handle that or what it, it don't, don't figure it out. That that's my thought process right now. 
Sure. Now, while football is certainly secondary to the health of DeMar Hamlin, and I don't, you know, whatever the NFL decides in terms of if this game is going to be played, when it's going to be played, fine with me. Uh, there is at least a thought there for, for Steelers fans because the Bills are slated to play the uh, Patriots on Sunday. Now, the league has said the Bengals-Bills game will not resume anytime this week. If it resumes at all, they've just kind of left things open-ended. But of course, that Bills-Patriots game uh, important and critical to Pittsburgh's playoff chances. So as of right now, I assume that game's going to still go on at its normally scheduled time, but we'll be watching that again, all secondary to DeMar Hamlin, his health and that whole situation, the well-being of him, the the mental health of the Bills team right now, um, all things kind of up in the air, but do want to at least note that from the, the football perspective, the Steelers fans perspective, just knowing that's a game that of course, whenever it takes place, we'll be watching. Right. And, you know, I, I think even some of the, you know, the 506 maps who uh, releases the, the, the television coverage maps every week, you know, uh, uh, tweeted out this morning that they don't, they don't have an update yet because there's still a lot of things. There's, there's still a lot of uncertainty. I don't think they've even announced yet because I look forward again this morning who the announcers for the CBS game for the Steelers and, and Browns will be, you know. Okay. Uh I mean, but it is here we are Wednesday and, 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 and most of the teams will have to release their first injury reports today. So I, I would think there would be some sort of finality, at least on games for, you know, the scheduled week 18 games uh, by this afternoon, meaning that if there was any if, if they were going to push back week 18 or or whatever, I, I, I would ha- I would kind of think that we uh, know it by today. Right. We'll just have to wait and see. The NFL yesterday said that uh, no week 18 games had been changed. I I think some people interpreted that as saying that that's locked in. I didn't see it that way. Just them saying at this point, there's not been any changes at all to the week 18 schedule. But currently, the way they set things up, uh, that was on Monday before the Hamlin incident occurred, that the Steelers game, uh, the Dolphins game and the the Bills game would all take place at 1 p.m. Eastern time, all at the same time to maximize competitiveness and the interest in it all. And so we'll assume for now that's where it stands until we're told otherwise. Right, right. But again, uh, the focus on DeMar Hamlin, and I speak about the football part a bit more just because we're hearing some of the more encouraging news on DeMar Hamlin, and it seems to be a better situation than it was, you know, 24 hours ago. So again, don't want to take away – what the focus really is. And that's on the scary moment that happened with DeMar Hamlin Uh, for whatever it's worth. I just take a little bit of comfort in everything's case by case, but a very similar situation happened with Chris Pronger back in 1998, where he took a puck to the chest and I think had the same issue that appears that Hamlin's dealing with right now with his heart. Uh, And Pronger came back to the play and have a a full career. And obviously the focus for Hamlin is on just having a full recovery and and a normal life again. Uh, But if there's any sort of comfort there, these, these things as rare as they are have happened in sports before and have had, you know, good outcomes. And we certainly hope the same for DeMar Hamlin. Absolutely. Well put. All right, Dave, we'll move on here uh, with some conversation about Mike Tomlin's press conference on the football side of things. That's where Tomlin wanted to keep it whenever he spoke with reporters yesterday. Um, Some interesting comments. Well, let's start with the injury situation first and uh, a little bit of updates here saying that James Pierre, the uh, cornerback James Pierre is in concussion protocol, Uh, his status up in the air just based on on the protocol of it all, but also uh, struck an optimistic tone on linebacker Miles Jack, who left the game against the uh, uh, Ravens with a groin injury and make up its Patrick ankle uh, who plays through that one, basically saying that he's optimistic on both Jack and, and make up its Patrick playing in the finale. Uh, Mink, I bet Minka was real sore. <laughs> still is. I'm sure. <laughs> and still is. And probably going to be on the, uh, uh, 
on the injury report, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, uh, and look, even past the ankle injury that he had in that game, the final play on that interception, uh, Levi Wallace is coming across thinking he's going to pick off that pass. <laughs> those, those two collide on the final play of the game. And I think Mika kind of got the worst, uh, worst, worst, uh, worst of that, uh, uh, collision as well, too. So I would expect Mika to be, it's probably going to be a long injury report to start the week. Larry Ogan, Joby probably going to be on there with the toe miles, Jack with the groin. Uh, it's probably going to be six or seven long uh, with, with some not injury-related rest-type situations there. But as the week goes on here, uh, I would think the ones to kind of watch is, you know, Trey Norwood obviously missed the game with a hamstring. Uh, last week, he, he, he'll obviously probably be one to watch. Minka, you know, even though it sounds kind of positive with him, he'll be one to watch. Uh, uh, Pierre, obviously, with being in protocol, will be one. And then... Miles Jack's been battling this groin, you know, f for a while, you know, uh, be interesting to see how he makes it through the week. So I would think those are kind of the four prime candidates there barring and there, who knows, there might be a surprise of somebody else on there today. Yeah. When you have Steelers Ravens, usually there's a couple of surprise bumps and bruises that show up there, but I think Pittsburgh will be playing their greatest hits on the injury report with Hogan Joby, with Miles Jack, with uh, the names that you just mentioned, we'll get the first official report here. Later on on Wednesday, we'll uh, move now to uh, Tomlin's comments on DeMarvin Leal, who played an important role in this game. Pretty heavy snaps in that 4-4 front that Pittsburgh utilized quite a bit to match the big personnel of the Baltimore Ravens with their fullback and Patrick Ricard, their multiple tight ends, etc. And uh, it was a funny comment from Mike Tomlin basically saying DeMarvin Leal does not even realize he's a defense alignment, uh, that he moves like a guy that uh, doesn't play D-line and he hangs out with a DB sometimes and just said that he has um, kind of those elite athletic traits to make him more than your typical defense alignment. I tried to focus on him on going back, uh, uh, going back through what, you know, he's on his feet. Uh, he feet some and obviously down as a down lineman quite a bit in this game. What was your thoughts on his overall play uh, of Liao and, and where, where are we now on Liao and what he is and what he isn't? Well, I think the jury's still, uh, it's still too early to, to judge what Liao is or isn't. I think he's still kind of a big lump of clay and the team's trying to figure out exactly what he is and who he is and where to play him. Cause he's not really been used as a defense alignment. You know, Tomlin's called him that, but he's kind of been more of that hybrid edge type of guy. When TJ Watt got hurt and some of the specialty packages right now, I think he's a good athlete. I think he plays with energy. I like what he did in the preseason. I think in season, it's been, kind of up and down. He's got good effort and runs hard on the football, but there really isn't much of a pass rush plan right now. Um, you know, he's got to improve his anchor. And I, I just kind of struggle to find out where he fits consistently. <laughs> it's kind of like he's in a little bit of everything kind of guy, almost in a weird way that the Connor Hayward of this defense where the size kind of puts you in a weird spot. Are you a really interior lineman? Are you an edge guy? Not really sure where you fit. You're a good athlete. You're kind of a football player, but you're still trying to figure out all those things. What'd you think about, about him? His his play specifically, let let's say, as a pass rusher in that game, because look, I, mean, I, I, I I I'm I'm struggling with him right now. Right, uh, I, it wasn't. He's not gotten pressure this year, despite right. being an athlete. I mean, there is no pass rush plan, and he's got he doesn't have a go to move and those kinds of things. And so, really, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of energy, but it's not a lot of production. And and the reason I'm kind of I I hearkened myself back last night to Chris Jones during the pre draft process. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I watched, you know, 
I, I never saw it with Chris Jones and I, and, and I'm not translating that. I'm what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to better my process here when it comes to, to him specifically. And we've, we've had a, a recent conversation about him, about, about what is he, uh, you know, and I just, I wonder where, where is this praise coming from this specific praise coming from Mike Tomlin, uh, on, on Tuesday about Leal. Well, I think he's right about the traits. I think Leal's traits are interesting. It's kind of what's gotten him drafted. I mean, he doesn't run like a lineman. He runs hard. He's a really good athlete. Um, you know, he's comfortable in space. He drops in the coverage, even dropping the coverage in that Ravens game early in that one. So there's some different things you can do with him that makes him different than a D lineman. But yeah, I think to your point, it's where do you play and where does he fit? He's kind of been that tweener so far, but I think he was kind of a raw guy coming out of Pittsburgh's asking him to do different things. I'm sure they did not envision him being a stand-up outside linebacker and specialty packages. The Watt injury changes the whole equation. So they've kind of messed with his role and probably his weight some this year. So I want to see him in year two. That's going to be a big judge for me as year two, kind of a year in the system, some time to breathe, maybe figure out exactly what your role is going to be. Because I think year one, it's kind of been just, making the pieces fit however we need them to fit as we kind of try to get through the season. Right. And where I'm struggling, you know, with, with him right now, because I mean, the, there's a lot of athleticism. He chased, chased the ball real well on one of those out to the outside, you know, I, the athleticism and he got a, you know, a backside kind of untouched, I mm -hmm. think uh, kind of, kind of tackle coming down the line and all like that. You'd like to see that if he's going to be an edge and all like that, I'm with you to pass rush. It's, it's not, refined at all i hardly see him making an impact in that to be honest with you and i i thought the run anchoring can can be better as well too uh, sure. uh what and i i think year two is going to tell us a lot before we even get to year two though i would like hopefully you know omar khan or 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 or, or mike tomlin or or whoever's on the stand to be you know to, to be asked <laughs> what is he right that's my question i i don't think he's really he's not going to be a, a stefan to cam hayward three tech playing down to down i don't see him in that role consistently as a pass rusher and third and long sure they've used him there i don't think he's that guy every single snap though yeah i don't either i don't either i and i i have a hard time envisioning him envisioning him playing cam hayward's stuff on to it like football I think, and I said this before, it's not the first time I'm saying this. I think he's a big edge. I think he's like a big Bud Dupree type of guy that's going to set the edge. It's going to be a matchup nightmare on tight ends. They don't drop their outside backers in the coverage too much. And Leal is just athletic enough to be able to do that. If you drop his weight some, you can probably do that. Can he walk out and displace? That's a little bit dicier, but I think you drop him to 270. If that, whatever his weight is now, drop him to 270, right. kind of what his college weight was. He's a big edge, and that's and then you can run him interior sub package pass rusher on third down if you want to. I think that's where he fits best. I don't think he'll ever have a consistent role. I don't think he'll ever be that every down guy. I think you take advantage of the athleticism, the versatility that he's going to offer, the athleticism he offers, as opposed to trying to box him into being one thing. Wonder if you can drop him down to about two sixty eight and send him off into the off season with T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he's an edge. I think he's, I mean, Bud Dupree was a heavy guy. He played like 270, at least early in the Steelers career. Um, and, and Steelers big edge guys do well. Uh, by the way, I only have the Marvin Leal down for one pressure all okay. season. So again, the pass rush juice. So, so I'm not, that, well, what you're saying is, 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 I, uh, I'm, 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 I'm okay where I'm at on him. Yeah, I think we're kind of in alignment on that. I think All if we right. both leave the vision of being that big edge. And again, I think Tomlin's accurate because he's a pretty unique guy, but, um, 
I think just trying to make him a, a three tech his whole career is not going to be the right approach. All right, the other young kid that Mike Tomlin talked about, Mark Robinson. Yeah, a lot of talk about Mark Robinson, who just like Leal was playing in that four four package, and and we can talk about he kind of played over Devin Bush, but it was in that specific role, that specific package. Um, it was kind of more Spillane, Miles Jack, in my view, playing over Devin Bush in, in, in that sense of it all. But Robinson playing a lot and talked about the physicality and Mike Tomlin said, uh, quote, he's a guy that likes physical confrontation. That's the one component of his game. That's never been in question, but then did go on to talk about some of the things I mentioned earlier, earlier in the season, guy that was raw one year at the position, a former running back in college. And so going to need some patience to kind of learn and sit and watch a little bit. And now he's getting to play and um, you still see him trying to figure things out on the fly, play action, reading your keys, things like that. But whenever he sees it, he sees it, Dave, and he hits it hard. (laughs) I put this on Twitter last night after going through the tape. Mark Robinson wants to make all the tackles. <laughs> and he makes, he does that a lot. Accomplished, mission accomplished quite a bit. But within that, there is, there, there, he's, he, he tries to, I think at times he tries to do too much. And we've seen this defense at times uh, get gashed because, and, you know, players after the fact saying, do your job. Uh, I think, and I think that's what kind of what Mike Tomlin was getting at uh, in the press conference. You know, he's still he's still very very raw, trying to learn uh, the the position. And I think it's a situation, at least at the end of this year, right now, where you'd rather say uh, "whoa" than "sick him," right? Mm-hmm. And because he he tried. There were a couple things, couple things I think, couple plays I think where he he might have been out of gap and got away with it. You know, uh, uh, but I mean, he did he. He is not afraid to stick his face in the fan, period. He's not afraid of contact. Uh, he chases well. I think you had to even the clip of the all 22 of him being on the other side of the field in coverage on the big uh, one of those runs. It might have been yep. the, lo- the longest run by what Dobbins or whatnot mm-hmm. in that game. And he wasn't going to make that tackle uh, uh, unless maybe he made it down at the one yard line. But he's giving the effort all the way from 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 the opposite side of the field. So. Uh, that that that's a positive in and of itself. Uh, I I thought it was a great game for him. I just think that mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think I think there the reason Mike Tomlin downplayed it was because of some of those things in that game. Sure, I think you're right. My description of Mark Robinson is all gas, no brakes. He doesn't know when to ever hit the uh, the brake pedal. He's just accelerator, you know, consistently. And there's something you want to harness. And as Tomlin says, as you said, you rather say wool than sick him. To me, it's it's less about even him not doing his job and trying to do too much as, as it is, he just doesn't know what he doesn't know. Right. He's still trying to figure it out and figure out what his job is and reading keys and being assignment sound and watching tape, understanding tendencies, all things that will come with time, but the, the baseline level of traits and mentality he has. And again, another guy that you're really excited to watch uh, next summer. I know in training camp next summer, I'm already noting it and I'm sure I'll get a million questions today about it. How does Mark Robinson look? Does mm-hmm. he, does he make that jump? And you would expect the guy that was raw didn't play a lot in college to really have an accelerated jump in year number two. Look, you, some of the traits he has, you can't, you can't teach. Now he's just got to learn how to play linebacker. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's it's a great baseline to work with. And I think, although he is raw, he doesn't look, he doesn't look like a guy that was playing running back two years ago. I think he's a guy that's generally pretty sound and smart and heady. And yes, he has to work on reading keys, but he's not, egregiously out of position or egregiously looking lost. Like you might think somebody in it, in his uh, position would. Right. And uh, there, there, 
I wonder on that one on that play over to the left side uh, that he actually made, I think, a tackle for no gain or for a loss or whatnot. Robert Splain says something to him, I think. And okay. uh, I almost wonder if if you know, is one of those, okay, you made, you made that play, but you weren't supposed to be there. <laughs> or, you know, and, and it's hard to kind of analyze it because it, it did kind of spill to the outside there, you know, and, and, and explain, I mean, and, 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 and uh, Robinson was there to make the play. Uh, but there were a couple of instances, instances where I said, man, I look kind of looks like he might've been in the wrong gap. Yeah, I'm sure there was. I mean, I know that Spillane was having to show him a lot to, you know, how to shift against motions, and there's a lot of that the Baltimore does, and so he's kind of trying to play traffic cop and help put this put that guy in position. But you would expect that when you got a veteran like Spillane next to a rookie like Robinson. Um, again, what it, what it speaks to me overall is, you know, like we talked about with Kenny Pickett, as Steelers, you're defined by what you do against the Ravens, and you look at this game and say. This team leaned on the Marvin Leal. They leaned on Mark Robinson. They kind of shied away from Devin Bush. They they made Malik Reed inactive. And so what does that say about those guys? It says they they like the traits, the foundation of Robinson, the foundation of Leal. And it's more of a statement against the likes of Devin Bush, who basically would not have played in this game had it not been for Miles Jack dealing with that groin injury again. Right. Bush had no role. Um, and then Malik Reed, of course, being inactive in both Ravens games kind of tells you what they think about Malik Reed and that trade they made for him. Well, here's what we know. Because of the numbers, Mark Robinson is going to dress against the Browns. Uh, right. And because the Browns are going to probably to probably try to lean on the run, we might see a nice uh, a nice uh, uh, selection of Mark Robinson uh, snaps again. We'll see. But uh, uh, it would be a heck of a steal if they could turn this kid into you know, five, six, seven-year starter. Right. Um, now, I think to just to be clear in terms of what Robinson's role was, and I want to pull up the uh, the exact charting that I have here, so just give me one second to do that. He was playing in that one specific specialty package, and so basically the Ravens would have to be in you know, one receiver sets, 13 personnel, 22 personnel. The Browns can go heavy. They're probably a little less heavy in that sense, the way the Baltimore is. So, um, yeah, Robinson only played against 21 and 22 personnel in this Ravens okay. game. That's when they employed their 4-4. So if the Browns go really heavy like that, there could be a role. Um, if not, you may see less Robinson, but his play may try to have this team looking to, to find ways to play him in base. We'll see. But just to be clear, that 4-4 is a specialty thing that was used against Carolina with their multiple offensive linemen, 6-7-8 offensive linemen in the Ravens. So uh, we'll just have to see. There is no guarantee Robinson will have that same snap count it'd probably be less in, in this finale all right so be uh be ready when twitter twitter explodes to, for why is it mark robinson in there uh uh and and why is bush in there right exactly because again some of the headlines i saw was robinson starting over bush and, and to a degree that's true because it was robinson and spillane on the field but this was using that one particular package against certain looks so i just want to understand what the situation was and why robinson and why Liao was playing all right, and I think uh, Mike Tomlin did kind of say because of specific, uh, uh, he, he did kind of outline it that it was. Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Kind of situational specific, right? Right. And yeah, of, of the I'm just doing rough numbers here, the 28 snaps Robinson on the field for that 4-4 defense was used. 26 of them came against the 22 personnel. So 
26 of the 28 were used against one receiver sets. Only two were used against two receiver sets. Bottom line is, unless the Browns go that heavy again, you may not see as much or any of Mark Robinson. Right. But it depends uh, on Jack and, you know, Robinson could play in base. I mean, I think he's probably earned the role to play in at least the team's base defense over Devin Bush. Uh, the last line that Mike Tomlin delivered on it, to be blunt, we were stepping into a game that was going to challenge him in a specific area. And that specific area was in line with his skill set. Now it sounds like a little word salad there as only Mike Tomlin can do. And so we let him play Uh, that kind of speaks to the specificness of the situational area that he was on the field for. Yeah. And when Tomlin says that skill set, he's meaning, physicality downhill king somebody had to meet patrick card in the hole because he was just <laughs> killing guys in that first game he was just destroying yeah. devin bush and just you know josh oliver you know just really winning the point of attack you needed some some big physical people to match their big physical people that's why mark robinson played all right so uh if bush uh out snaps uh robinson by quite a bit against the browns don't get upset it's probably not any kind of a knock against mark robinson the big the big the big aspect with Mark Robinson is during the off season along with him and Leal. Exactly. Well said, Dave. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Robinson could play, but if they're nickel, you're probably not going to see Mark Robinson. You're going to see Splane and Bush and Jack. If he's healthy, they're in dime. You're going to see Splane. So that's just getting you ready for the, this is all on deaf ears because we know people will yell <laughs> if this uh, Robinson's not playing much in this game, but anyway, enough about it gives, uh, it gives us an ability to say, I, we told you so. <laughs> right. And we love doing that here on the show. Absolutely. Go ahead move forward. Uh, what else we got from Tom anything else stick out? Yeah, those were the big things overall. Um, I thought Tomlin's answer was a bit terse to the question, which I guess was a little, I don't know, I wouldn't have asked the question of, uh, would you rather be a team that clinches early versus a team <laughs> kind of fighting to get in the way that you're now? And Tomlin said, really, does it matter? And he just says he wants to be a team on the rise. But I personally like to be a team that's clinching early as opposed to needing 87 things happening in the last two weeks of the year to try to back into the playoffs. All I care about is come uh, uh, week 18, end of week 18, that you're in the playoffs and you're on and, and you are indeed a team on the rise. Are you saying that? Or are you saying that Tomlin said that? Uh, I, I, that's all I care about. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, you'd rather be, be the two be seed nice. than the seven seed on the road against uh, the two seed. I, I'll tell you this. I mean, I, I obviously don't know what's going to happen. I never thought we'd be having this conversation, uh, but this you know, I don't know if it's because they were behind the eight ball and they, they, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's been single elimination for them for several weeks now. Uh, they, they are a team on the rise and especially on the defensive side of football and the, the look, make no mistake about it. They are winning games exactly like we said that they were going to have to win games mm-hmm. before the season started. How now, how many more games can they win? We'll see. But they're going to have to any games that they do win are going to probably be 1917 games or or 21, you know, uh, uh, 20 to 16 games. Right. Uh, but they make no mistake about it, that these last. You know, dating back, I guess, to about the Atlanta game, that this team is on 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 the rise on both sides of the football. Now, I think the defense is on a lot more on the rise than the offense, but but both sides are on the rise and they could maybe get into playoffs and we'll see. 
And to Tomlin's point, that's, of course, where you, where you want to be. You'd rather be a team playing your best football at this time of year as opposed to peaking in November and then dealing with injuries and kind of limping to the finish line. So so point well taken there. But, of course, you'd rather have a team that isn't fighting for your lives right now and trying to get in the playoffs and, and those kinds of things. Um, this happened last year where Pittsburgh was playing good football at the end of the year. The last two weeks got wins against the AFC North opponents, and they get blown up by the Chiefs. So how much should playing your best football really matter um, well, I, I I agree with you. The defense is certainly playing really well. This offense has, has at least found an identity. They're controlling the line of scrimmage. They're controlling the clock. And that is certainly helping a defense by limiting their snap counts. Again, Baltimore had 50 snaps in this game. I think the, the game before against uh, the Raiders, kind of a similar story. The Panthers had 43 plays, in part due to the defense making stops and doing a great job. So, of course, credit to them. But the offense is helping by playing good ball control, running the ball, and just kind of forming an identity they lack throughout the first, I don't know, 10, 11 weeks of the season. Right. And and I hope I made that clear. I'm not putting the offense on any stuff. Yeah. I think the defense has really helped play the offense and, mm-hmm. and is the reason why they, they've been able to do what they they've been able to do. Uh, Offense needs to score more points. <laughs> yeah, that's twenty ninth in points per game. How, how do you like that analysis? Uh, <laughs> that's score, you pay us the big bucks. Right, score more points. Uh, but within that, they have been on the rise. We just need to see that rise now translate into more points. Yeah, they're taking. They're they're not. Well, they're kind of crawling. They're kind of walking. They're not running yet, but they're they're getting there. They're progressing, and by taking care of the football, winning. They've been so good on third down since by like the second or first best uh, offense on third down since the bye. By having a, a more consistent ground game, it's laying the framework for an offense that should be scoring more points. But of course, you're judged by how many points you score. That's the name of the game, and Pittsburgh's still struggling there. But like you said, the defense is also playing extremely well to keep scores down and allow this team to win ugly, win close, win late, but wins nonetheless. Uh, the way I look at it, uh, and I, I try to think, because I figured we, we'd go down this hole, I, I'd characterize the offense as as having perfected below averageness. <laughs> that is, that's a bumper sticker if I've ever heard one in my life. No, I think you're 100% right about that. Uh, and, you know, we've seen a lot of the same things, right? You know, split zone, inside zone. They're just, they're, they're, uh, I think the timing of the motions have really, has really improved where sometimes with some of these motions on these jets, you're not really 100% sure who's going to get the ball where, and we've talked about this in the past with Ben specifically last year, man, it seemed clunky. You know, it seemed Mm -hmm. like the jet guy was already past Ben by the time. Uh, and and it might not seem like a big deal. And you know what? I hate to keep going back to Bill Belichick. Uh, he had another great answer during a press conference. Last, I think it was last week talking about the effectiveness of, of jet motions and all like that, you know, uh, especially when pre- preparing for uh, Miami and all like that. Uh, there is There is an art to that. And I think by them, Having these same guys now for several weeks now, the continuity on the offensive line, uh, the same the same skill position since 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 Chase has been uh, Chase Claypool was traded. I think they've really been able to perfect some of this stuff, but I don't think they're going to grow as an offense until they build off of what they have now. Sure. I think the point that you hit on that's really key, and Mike Tomlin mentioned, but you could really apply it to the whole offense, is health. This team's been really healthy on that side right. of the football, especially Knock the O-line. Wood. The same, well, we got one week left, at least in the regular season, so hopefully you know, at, all clear there. 
Uh, but the same starting five the entire season, the only team that can say that, and even the skill guys, you know, guys have played through stuff, but they've been available. They've been playing on Sundays. It's uh, Deontay Pickens and Harris post foot injury. Uh, and of course, you know, Kenny Pickett's had the concussions, but generally speaking, no, you know, multi-week absences there. Uh, you know, Pat Frame has missed a bit of time, but generally speaking, healthy. So no major losses there. But I love your your um, summation about this team is perfected below average. I think Pittsburgh personifies the old joke of what do you call the person that graduates medical school with the lowest GPA? A doctor. Like that is <laughs> like that is the Steelers. They they're last in the class, but they're they got their license yeah. and they're they're uh, they're a doctor now. That's all that really matters. Just get to get the in in essence getting a victory as ugly as it is is still a victory in 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 the final box score. Right. I mean, and 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 you would agree. I mean, we're not seeing a whole heck of a lot. You know, I I you know I did like down at the goal line there. You know, how many times have we seen the diamond? You know, I, I, I you know use that kind of diamond. Now, will they build off of that? Uh, everybody says. You know, they, the, the analysis on them on the TV was everybody and everybody, you know, in the stadium knew they were going to throw throw to Pickens. I don't know if that's necessarily true, to be honest with you. I because, think it, because when they lined ahead. up in that, I, I thought I saw them use that kind of that diamond over there. I, I wondered if they might either try to run the quick screen over to that side to 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 Najee or just try to you know run, run, run uh, some. uh uh, combination routes off of that to get someone free real quick. Yeah, I think there's probably a look. If they get the right look in that four by one to that quad side where they can throw it, usually that's almost always going to be a screen pass to Najee with blockers right. in front. My first thought, honestly, was they're going to run a quarterback draw when they were doing mm. that motion and stuff. That was I was like, please don't run a quarterback draw here. But um, I think there was, there's probably a couple components to it. I think, you know, if four by one to the quad side, if you get a really good look, the defense doesn't shift and they're kind of late, maybe you can throw that. If not, then throw the isolation jump ball to George Pickens is probably how that place constructed. And as we talked or, you know, talked about, you know, at, at this point now, you, we just, we need to see more explosive plays. They had four the other night uh, against Baltimore that uh, the minimum explosive plays this team needs to have on offense. I, I, I believe is four uh, to, 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 to be able to compete on a weekly basis and, and keep your, keep your offense you know on the field and, and, and in position, potentially score. We need some explosive play touchdowns. Yeah. How many of those have they had this year? Not many, oh. if any, how many, what wow. is the number on that? How many 20 plus yard touchdowns do they have this year? One or one or two, I think that's a, that's a good question here. There's not there. I, the answer is not enough, uh, yeah. not nearly enough. Let me see if I can find that. Well, well, trying to think even there. what those are. I think it'd be easy. Uh, I'm still kind of waking up here. So I'm trying to think about what those uh, touchdowns even were going through the. Uh, uh, George Pickens, 24 yards against the Bengals. There's one. And yeah. that is, you know, what? it looks like the only, that's the longest touchdown they've had from scrimmage this year. You know what the longest touchdown they've had this year actually is? Let's make it Fitzpatrick's 31-yard pick six in week one. Their their first uh, touchdown is technically their longest. I'm having problems trying to sort this real quick to, to get some of the noise out. Let's see. Uh, score. Yes. Touchdown. Yes. Yeah, it looks like Pickens. Because for a while, their longest touchdown was like eight yards. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. 24 yards to Pickens against the Bengals. Yep. And their that's, next longest is I uh, just lost it 19 yard run by Nashi Harris also against the Bengals. Uh, how many 15 or more? Probably just those two still, right? Uh, three Connor plays. Hayward, 17 uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Against Atlanta. So uh, Atlanta, 
two plays against the Bengals uh, a couple of weeks, several weeks ago in the second meeting. Najee left was Najee left in for 19 yards. Uh, the picket to Pickens for 24 yards, and then the Connor Hayward against the Falcons was 17 yards. That's uh, that's not enough of those. That's where we need to st- we need to start seeing some explosiveness end up in the end zone. Right. Again, Mika Fitzpatrick, 31-yard pick six, second play of the season, has actually been their longest touchdown of the year. Crazy enough. So, but but yeah, they're still 29th in points per game. I mean, even over this, you know, win streak, they're scoring. Oh, what are they scoring? 16 against Baltimore, 13 against the Raiders, 24 against the, the Panthers since the bye. I mean, they've had, you know, a 30-point game in that loss to the Bengals, but they've still been held under 25 points in all but one game this year. That loss is just to uh, Cincinnati. So still not good enough overall. Uh double explosive plays of 40 yards or longer, three of them. Uh Obviously, Connor Hayward on a blown coverage was one of them. Uh, Trubisky to Pickens down the left side against the Ravens for 42 yards. And uh, just a few weeks ago against the Falcons, the, the Pickens, a uh, picket to Fryermuth, where I think a good 25, 20 of that came after the catch. Yeah, Deontay's longest play, 37 this year. Still looking for that first touchdown. We are on official Deontay Johnson touchdown watch. One last year or one last week to to get in the end zone. Otherwise, he'll have the most receptions by a receiver in NFL history without a touchdown. And uh, if he catches two passes, he'll have the all-time record-breaking James Wilder's mark in 1985 of 85 receptions with no touchdowns. So looking to see if he gets it's It's crazy. Just odds alone, you think he'd get in the end zone at some point, but uh, has not happened. You know, it was one year ago last night that his was his last regular season touchdown reception. I did have one in the playoffs against the Chiefs. But uh, as far as regular season touchdown receptions go for Deontay Johnson, uh, it's been one year ago. Yes. Last night. Wow. Yeah, that was that was Ben's last home game. Right. Right. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, that's crazy. That's been a year, too. God. Where's time going? Too much yesterday. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get off the nostalgia kick here. Uh, I think it's probably it from Mike Tomlin. Uh, Anything else? Uh, No players, I guess, speaking. Players day off yesterday, so they'll be speaking today. Um, Visitors. uh, Yeah, the tryout guys, uh, which I know Steelers fans love. They love reading about the tryout guys. Uh, Steelers worked out two players yesterday. That is uh, a guy we talked about a while back. One of my biggest overreactions of all time. So a good remembrance about my wrongness here in in uh, Thad Moss, from the tight end from LSU, Randy Moss's son, who uh, had that great bowl game against, what was it, Clemson, I think. And I was like, this is the guy, this is the, and he was not the guy. <laughs> and so you were you were definitely uh, more correct there than I ever was. But um, oh, well, wait, Moss, I, 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 something broke up there. What did right. you say? I think we're moving on now to the other tryout guy. Uh, no, yes, yeah, so you were the guy talk, calming me down about Thad Moss. And I think ultimately you were right on drafted at LSU. was with Washington, uh, spent some time with the Bengals, and now worked out for Pittsburgh yesterday. Kind of has that H-back, Connor Hayward-ish type of mold to him. <laughs> it's funny that you just added that because I was going to say he's a poor man's Connor Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, not a great compliment, I guess. Right. Um so, you know, try probably again, future they, contracts. They might sign likely. him. They might sign him. Yeah. Know? But future, future's contract. The other guy who's uh, Mike trying to work on the pronunciation, Panusik. I'm, I'm butchering that terribly, I'm sure. But um, defensive tackle from Michigan State, the transaction log listed him as a guard. So he might be a guy that flipped. He actually worked him out in July. I found an article that you had written that they worked him back out in July. So that's probably looking like a futures contract type of guy. Do, but what is he? I guess a guard. Okay. I mean, the train the, the the log says he's an offensive lineman. He played D tackle in college. That transition is not 
brand new. People have done that before. So I guess he's he's flipping over. What in the last team that he was with? Uh, they work at him as a defensive lineman, though. Uh, he was with Carolina for a brief time. I didn't check to see where they were at. But on the transaction log, it says it's got a G unless okay. they mean old school nose guard. But it says guard. OK. All right. But. But if they sign him, then they'll announce whatever position he is and, and we'll get more clarification there. But he, that feels like a futures guy. And, and again, we'll see if Thad Moss uh, is a futures guy after the season as well. And because of that, here, here's and, and why do I call call Thad Moss now a poor man's Connor Hayward? Because you look at the measurables and all like that. That's kind of what he is. Uh, but but he the where the poor man comes in at is he's no in, probably not anywhere close to being a special teams player that 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 Connor Hayward is. And yeah, that's that's the kind of thing that gets those guys on the roster. Right. He never tested coming out. He's had a he had a foot injury. He's had a weird just football career. Five high schools, two colleges. Uh, there's a Canada connection there, too, though. I think Canada was recruiting him to uh, NC State because Moss began his career there. And then Moss transferred to LSU where Canada was the OC in 2017. So, right, there's, there's a connection there. Um, now, will that will Canada be here to have that connection? Who, who the heck knows? But, you know, we'll see what happens. He very well could end up on a futures contract right now because he's going to be probably going to remain on the street here for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, probably. So we'll let you know if those signings become official either now or more likely after the Steelers season ends. All right, Dave, let's go to the all 22 review of this Ravens game, starting with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. We'll start there. Um, any any differing thoughts or any other affirming thoughts on Kenny Pickett as you kind of watch the all 22 again? Uh, you know, first and foremost, I think the offensive line was, was really, really good in this game overall, uh, some good push up front and all like that. As far as Pickett's play goes, uh, it just kind of re reconfirmed. I think what, what we said, uh, the other day on the podcast there is I, I think, uh, you know, even something really simple that he, or not simple, but that, that he did, uh, on that, on that throw to uh, Jalen Warren over to the right, you know, he's looking over to the left and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have time to reset his feet uh, in that. He just, he whips around right, right away and makes a, an on money throw uh, to, uh, to, to Jalen Warren in there. So I think his pocket presence was, was improved in this game overall. Now uh, his out of pocket presence was uh, uh, really phenomenal. Uh, And I think you had, you, you did something unique, uh, and I guess because of his number eight, but uh, the eight uh, big throws that Kenny Pickett had in that game, and and I I thought you were on the money on that. I mean, he he really did some out of structure stuff that was refreshing to see. With a couple of those throws being the kind of ones that I've been wanting to see down the football field uh uh completed that way he did that so i mean i i think more than anything the all 22 kind of could man that throw that he made to sims how did he get that ball in there you look that at the great throw you look at the uh you look at the end zone at that man and you kind of wonder it's a game of inches for sure uh he uh he made that throw now there, there were a couple throws probably one he, he would like to have back in there but uh uh thoroughly impressed with uh with what he did in that game yeah, and again, we understand that a eighty percent of quarterback play is all inside structure, inside the pocket. To throw to Sims, a great example of that. But can you elevate your game by making those plays outside of structure when things break down? Using your mobility and Pickett did that really well. His his accuracy on the run was fantastic. Sometimes throwing off platform, 
being able to square his shoulders and play mechanically sound, but still being on the move and moving the locked point. And one play I didn't even show on the, that a clip eight was the one to Frymuth. Um, it was, you know, I think Chuck Clark was was blanketing him and he made the catch, but that was a really good throw. The third to down play back, back, back in, back to the middle of the field. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, that sounds right. And so that was a good play. So making those plays on the move, being really accurate, comfortable moving both left and right. He was making those plays, not a guy that just goes to his right because he's a right-handed quarterback. Um, just, just his accuracy, eyes downfield scrambling to throw, not scrambling to run. The one thing I saw on the watch back where I go, you can work on is just, he still is a bit quick. He drifts in the pocket. He will bail a bit too early. And that does create some issues for his tackles, even on the, um, on the touchdown to Najee, which was a great throw and a great play. He's drifting left automatically. That makes Dan Moore's job really hard. It allows Pierre Paul to have an easier and more upfield angle to Kenny Pickett. There is still some work to do on just overall pocket movement, pocket presence. But beyond that, it was a really strong game by him. And I think then I said the other day, I think now what we what I want to see from him now is uh, improved uh, uh, in structure pocket play. You know, uh, we, we see now he can make 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 plays happen out of structure. Uh, just want to see him. Be able to do do things in the pocket in structure down, you know, down the field more. Is there anything specific in terms of what he has to do inside? Uh, the pocket is there I, any play I, we I, thought he missed. I, I think there was one or two maybe that he could have maybe instead of bailed on, stepped up into. Yeah. He's got to start tra- and 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 maybe he would. I you know it's going to come with time, and that's why I keep saying, man, six you know, get six games into next year and all. Uh, tr- trusting his protection at times. Yeah, I think that's right. I think I, I, to me, it's maybe less about he doesn't trust his protection, but he's just a mobile quarterback that likes to move. He likes to be on the run. It's comfortable. It's it's more natural to him. Um, but I think, yeah, I think that pocket presence and, and hanging in a bit longer is even that play to Warren that you're talking about. He probably didn't have to leave the pocket. He was like looking to leave and then kind of stopped himself and threw it back to Jalen on that play. So I think sometimes that, that internal clock goes off and he says, I have to move, but he doesn't always actually have to move. But overall, we're, we're nitpicking. I thought I don't want to take away from him because um, I thought Pickett was was fantastic. And again, making the plays in clutch moments, leading a clutch drive on the road, prime time against the Ravens, season on the line to, to put that ball in the end zone. I mean, just A+. plus. Yeah, look, and I think at this point now, like I said, I, I, I think you just want to see him, you know, continue on in that progress with the down the field throws and then specifically putting the ball in the end zone. Yeah, I'm with you there. Other things on the all 22 offensively in this game, Dave. Offensive line, as you said, did a really good job. I really enjoyed watching James Daniels in this play, in this game. Just the progression he made since a very shaky summer. Um, he's really bought in, gotten comfortable with Pat Myers' rules. Just some of the on-body aggressive sets he was making, uh, anchoring, stalling out, using the hop step to to be able to handle bull rushes and power rushes. I thought James Daniels played a really strong game. Uh, and on and I pointed this out uh, uh, specifically. Uh, on the on that great uh, throw and catch by uh, George Pickens there, man, go back and look at the pass protection and them uh, pass off that. In, and it starts with Daniels uh, in there, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, him passing that. It looks it looks like a choreographed uh, dance move. They know where they're passing off this guy to their partner there. And they did such a good job on that inside twist uh, uh, of the tackle twist in there uh, with uh, him, Mason Cole and, 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 and Kendrick Green. And then, oh, oh yeah. I mean, Kevin Dotson. Uh, uh, and within all that, going on to, to make the play even better, 
<laughs> to enhance what's going on over there at right tackle. You have Jukes going uh, uh, kind of a snatch trap and bury over there on that side. So uh, I think that play in and of itself, even though you're going to be focusing on uh, – to keep the picket to 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 Pickens and Pickens, you know, fantastic catch. Watch the and I've got the clip of that uh, the mm-hmm. end zone view up on my Twitter feed uh, there. Uh, just just a, a, a good snapshot of, of 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 how well that offensive line played in that game. I think protection yeah, wise, that was a they gave him a lot of time. That was a perfect pocket and a great example. But you actually, I think a couple either the drive before or a couple snaps before they had. The Ravens ran the same stunt, and Pittsburgh was a little messy in, in picking it up. Or Daniels came off a bit early. Cole was a bit late to react, and and one of the crasher kind of got up, free up the a gap, and got some pressure. And so the, to see them correct that mistake mid game uh, when Baltimore tested them again a short time later was maybe the most encouraging part of the whole sequence for me. Right, it's all about you know uh, uh, recognizing and st- staying on the same levels there too. Yeah, and they did, and they, they again they they fixed their mistake from the first time, and so that that unit's you know playing well. I thought Kevin Dotson the run blocking. How about I thought Dan Moore's a run blocker? He's a you know I can't I can't quit Dan Moore. Dave. I think he's a good run blocker. I think if he could just figure out how to be more consistent with his punch, with his hands against bull rushes against power, he's going to be a good left tackle. Maybe not not a franchise all pro left tackle, but a good left tackle that you can win with. He was moving people in this game. Yeah, look, he can he can he can uh, uh, block down on the inside without issue 100 percent. and he had there was the one play he basically created the whole hold himself the one that Najee ran for i think 11 or 14 i mean he uh he displaced the, the defensive tackle then worked the queen and sealed him off Najee ran off his inside hit i mean he created the entire hole uh, i know there's still work to do with dan moore but a second year guy if you have a chance to get a franchise left tackle you can have that conversation in, in the draft you probably won't sitting at pick 17 where they wherever they end up picking but um to me i'm i'm going to have dan moore as my left tackle next year yeah, I think that's going to end up happening. I'm with you. Uh, another thing that stuck out for, for what Connor Hayward is, and they're asking him to do, he's doing it. Uh, he's doing a pretty good job of uh, on, on, on the split flow zones and the split flow jets uh, of, of cutting uh, there. Now, you know, I don't, you know, you're not going to ask him to do much more than that, but uh, what he is being asked to do, I think he's, you know, seven times out of 10, he's, he's accomplishing it as a blocker. Yeah. I, I, we talked about that a while back. We said this team has to get this guy to cut instead of trying to stay on his feet on some of these base blocks against bigger people, bigger uh, edge edge rushers. And so he's chopping them down. He is, yeah. And and kudos to him for buying in and doing all the little things right now. Uh, any other thoughts here? This offense again, running backs ran hard. Najee, Jalen Warren, just just a lot of fun to watch. So I just uh, just enjoy watching Jalen. Uh, he, really, he really is, and and no disrespect. I mean, because uh, Najee really had a lot of yards after contact in this game. Uh, uh, he really ran with a lot of purpose, but man, Jalen Warren's so fun. He is very fun to watch. And if they can, can continue to use him in that aspect and use him out of the backfield and, uh, he's really gotten good at pass protection too. I mean, yeah, he, I think you had the clip of him on Roquan Smith, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's, he's going up to fight him in the schoolyard. He don't care about the site. <laughs> he, he's winning those two. He, it, it's hard to see him. Li- he is the best run uh he's the best pass protecting running back on this on this team right now he is yeah and harris is not bad he, he struggled to start the year maybe the injury played a factor but warren in, in for a rookie i mean when was the last time you saw a rookie you know levy on bell was not this good of a, a pass protector his rookie year he became a really became to me one of the best best in football but not out of the gate uh, Warren out of the gate is 
I don't I don't know where he ranks up league wide, but he's a really good pass protector. He's he's very uh 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 Jones Drew like, really. Uh yeah. he he really is that and uh he is the kind of guy and you you don't want to get in a situation where it has to happen, but he he could play he could play a full game at running back. Uh, I don't think you want to get in that situation. I think it's great that the the the, uh, the split that they have going on uh, right now. But there, I mean, he he is he has become everything that you want to run him back. I think to 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 become at this point, he is yeah. very very fun to watch on tape. There is not one situation where I don't trust him in. He can mm-hmm. do anything you need him to do, whether that's catching, blocking, running, whatever the special teams. I mean, this guy does it all. With does it with with with. With just major gusto. This guy just loves playing football. He's more fun to watch without the ball in his hands as he is with the ball in his yeah, hands. Like right. Some of the stuff he does as a blocker on jet sweeps has been pass pro running down kicks. I mean, he's just a lot of fun. They need to use. I tell you another guy, and this is my, I don't know if you heard my terrible take uh, yesterday. Uh, Miles Boykin. Look, I, I know he hasn't touched football a lot, but he's, uh, he's blocking well yeah. uh, when he's out there in, 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 in the running game. Uh, don't be surprised if they reward that on Sunday against the Browns. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now, uh, you can probably do something with him sneaking him out some way or, or what have you. Uh, don't be surprised. If they reward Boykin this, this on Sunday, start the season, how you ended it in week one against the Bengals. They had that one deep shot to Boykin never went back to him again. <laughs> and then, uh, let, let's end the year with a deep shot to, mm-hmm. to miles Boykin. But yeah, I think you're right. And then as a gunner, he's been fantastic. One last thing on Warren. Uh, he was talking with uh, uh, Didi Kinkabala from uh, CBS. I think she's at now. And I like Warren's answer whenever she asked him, why did you sign with Pittsburgh? He said, they offered me the most money. I love an honest answer with that. And hey, money talks. And it's rare that Pittsburgh offers the most money in an undrafted situation, but I'm glad they did. It's Ram season, which means it's time to serve with Ram 1500, Ram 3500, and Ram TRX. Hurry in now for great deals on the trucks that are built to serve. Right now during Ram season, get 10% below MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Ram 1500 Laramie. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. Contact dealer for details. Take retail delivery by 531-23. And he even talked about film room and how really he's not a big film uh, uh, buff at, at all, but being around Najee and Najee evidently is a huge film buff that that's kind of, uh, imagine him getting, getting better through film study, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's natural talent. So he's, he's like, he's the Mark Robinson of the offense. He's just a big bowling ball that runs forward and maybe doesn't know what he doesn't know, but he's got talent and he's got heart and it all works out. Mm-hmm. All right, flipping over to the Steelers' defense in this one. Um, what did you see differently, if anything, that made this team better against the run? They weren't perfect against the run. Rarely will that happen against the Ravens team so committed, so so good at it. But what did you see to have this team not give up 215 again? Uh, numbers in the box. <laughs> that helps. That helps, yeah. Uh, uh, anything else? I, j- I mean... They were they were doing a better job defeating blocks. Agreed. Yeah, at, I don't think it was anything at, magical. At all, it, there wasn't anything magical that I went, oh, okay. It, it just it they had numbers up front, and they were either going and now a little bit early there they were trying to I think Watt in particular uh, a little bit too much of maybe trying to run around blocks, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but. You know, they, they calmed down on that, but I, I think it was just an, a, a case of 
of, of having, you know, a more stacked box in this game. And then, you know, just doing a better job at all at, at first and second level, defeating blocks and running to the football. Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. I think that was the key. I think that's just the baseline stuff you have to do. I think Mike Tomlin has said it a million times, whoop blocks, make tackles. They whoop blocks and they actually missed more tackles in this game than they did in the first one, but they whooped more blocks. And so it kind of all works out positively. I think one component, it wasn't the, the sole or probably not even the driving reason why the run defense was better, but you saw more backside defenders making plays because Baltimore, they, they run as many, as many gap schemes as any team in football. They pull their guards you better have backside pursuit on those ones because whenever the Ravens pull their guards, they gain numbers, they gain gaps to the front side. You need guys who charge hard from the backside. You mentioned Leal making a tackle mm-hmm. there. I think Watt had Highsmith, uh, Watt, was it Watt that had it? Yeah. I um, think Watt and, had one. I think okay. Smith almost had one, right? Missed him in the backfield. I think so. Yeah. So you saw, I think better backside pursuit, better crashing against their gap scheme. And again, that wasn't the number one reason why the run defense was better, but it's an, it's a component of it because those gap schemes are so brutal to, to deal with. And I thought Pittsburgh did better uh, job crashing down and making some of those plays behind the running, the running back. Right. And they, they were pretty much daring them to try to throw the football all night, you know, and that was the game plan. Yeah, now Andrews made plays and he was pretty impactful in this game on those benders, those crossers, but he didn't, you know, he didn't win in the red zone and uh, didn't have any 50 yard plays on you. And so you can kind of take it overall. Yeah, and I thought our our, our Tata Wise uh, smartly point, pointed out a good turning point in that game. I think there was actually, actually a couple of them, but uh, his it, it it is hard to argue there. And that was after that long uh, <laughs> shaking your head after the, the long kickoff return. You think, man, for sure they're going to give up uh, some points in this situation. They ended up giving a uh, getting a not only a three three and out in that situation, but uh, out of field goal range as well too. And I think that was around what the nine minute mark or something around uh, mm-hmm. there. Uh, uh, you know. Once again, after after the Steelers had kicked off there, because uh, the last thing that you want to do, I mean, you're already on a short field having to defend some grass in that situation. But to get the three and out was just absolutely huge. And really, the the other thing that kind of stuck out to me, uh, man, that Cam Hayward play on the third and two with five something left in the game. Uh, there and you know what happens if they what happens if they pick up the first down in that situation there uh you know do they get back in field goal range are they able to eat more clock uh so really two aspects of the defense there in the fourth quarter when when this team really really needed it and then coming off of that last game where they they didn't get it done on that final drive uh really two big big stands uh around the midway point of the fourth quarter and on in that game yeah, I think, as Tyler pointed out, don't forget about that third down breakup that Edmonds had to, I think it was Mark Andrews, because if they complete that, they still you know, have to, it's still fourth down, but they probably, Baltimore does attempt a field goal there, and they're in Justin Tucker range, and he probably makes it because he's Justin Tucker, but they not only get the three and out, they lose two yards, Baltimore does, and are forced to punt, that's huge, and then to your point, and you had the clip of, it's it's really fun to watch Kim Hayward turn the dial to 11 and just push Ronnie Stanley back into the backfield and hope to disrupt that one. I mean, Hayward always plays 100% whenever he, like th- those big weighty moments, he gets it so much that he's able to just give that extra oomph and just takes over those moments. Man, it, uh, 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 the Stanley in that situation got... He he said to heck with this, and he got off of Hayward and went after. <laughs> he, did. he blocked Highsmith and said, "He said I'm not even trying." Yeah, he said to heck with this. I'm out of here. I'll get this other guy running free, and maybe this will help things out of here. Uh, at that point, that's how bad. That's how bad <laughs> Cam, Cam, Cam Hayward and uh, uh, beat him at that time. At that point. 
Yeah, he makes people quit their jobs mid-play to go do something else. And I, I graded up positively. I block Highsmith, coach. Forget about me getting on skates. Uh, and but, Stanley's but, a stud when he's healthy, yeah. too. He's a top left tackle when he's been healthy, and he's been he was healthy for this game. So, yeah, those were huge, huge moments there, absolutely. Um, anything else defensively that you wanted to talk about from the old 22? Man, Minka just he can read stuff, can he? He's always in the right place. Now, uh, Huntley didn't have no business throwing that football back to the middle of the field. Uh, uh, and, and as I stated, I, I, if Minka's not there to get that, uh, Levi Wallace, I think, gets that without e- without a problem because he's right in that same area uh, there overall. Uh, they they're they're probably got to resign Edmonds, don't they? Somehow, some way. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I can't see the reason not to do that. Then you have to go spend time, energy, money on finding a replacement that might be worse than Edmonds. I think Edmonds with Mink is a good pairing. I see no reason to to break that up. No reason to to go find another option. I mean, it's it, and I know a lot of people are ready to wash their hands of it. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying break the bank when it comes to Edmonds here, but. Uh, and because he still needs to make more plays show up, I think, on the stat sheet. But what he's doing that's not on the stat sheet is an is enough, along with the familiarity and knowing, you know, the right hand. He he's the left hand. He's the left hand that you, you kind of need, even though it's not a perfect left hand, you know. Right. I don't want to. This comparison is going to be too strong. I don't want to gloss him too much here, because, but he. He he fits what they're trying to do over there. Right. Again, this comparison is going to be too strong. He's like, Edmonds is not this caliber of player, but it's a little bit like Ryan Clark and Troy Polamalu, where Minka's Troy, he's the all-star, but Clark's kind of that steady presence on this team. Again, Edmonds is not as good as Clark was, but it's a little bit worried. It's a, it's a good pairing. They work well with each other well, well. They know what the other guy's doing, and you don't want to break that one up. You know what you're getting over there with him. Yeah. And I and think there's some comfort in that. Right. He's still young. He's going to be, what, right. 26 next year? He's not going to cost that much money. I guess probably more than what he cost this year, but $3 million is what Edmonds is going to cost to bring back. I mean, some two-year deal worth $6 million. I don't know, something like that. I mean, that, maybe, that's maybe, maybe two, seven years or something like that. But, uh, and look, we're, I'm sure this will get framed as us putting him in the Pro Bowl, but he's not that. But I, I've, I've, I've come to it. Uh, that I think they need to re-sign him. Yeah, I'm with you. I think I think this game kind of cemented that for me. Um, understanding that he's kind of at his ceiling. I mean, he's he's incrementally gotten better. He's scooched forward every year, but you know, what he is right now is is fine with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, last thought here on special teams. Again, that punt by Presley Harvin was really key. 49 yard uh, net. Boykin did a great job to beat the uh, the vice there to get off of that and, and make the tackle. I did go back and watch the long kick return uh, of Justice Hill to see what went wrong there. Guys just got to make tackles. I think sometimes Danny Smith has these guys kind of loop and get in different gaps to try to play some games and and make plays. It it sometimes works against them. But Miles Boyk or um Miles Killebrew was blocked by four people on that play, and you had. Both Derek Watt and Connor Hayward free on block. Neither could make the tackle. Watt was a little bit dicier. If he could really make the tackle, he was kind of looping around. Hayward had to make the tackle there. He missed. And if it, to me, if a kick returner can make one guy miss, that's usually going to result in a pretty long return. At least it can. And it, and it did on that play. I got you. I thought Baltimore said, you have to go back and watch it. Baltimore did kind of a weird thing where they almost were like pulling, like, like the run game, they were pulling linemen around, not linemen, but they were pulling blockers from the left side to the right side on that one. It's kind of a funky setup. So I give them credit, but um, Hayward is, is one-on-one. He's got to make the play. Okay. 
All right, Dave, I think that kind of wraps things up pretty well. If there's anything else you want to talk about, feel free. If not, we can get to some reader emails and close out today's show. Yeah, let's do it here. Let me pull up the email machine, sort it real quick. I'm sure we have a, a couple here today. All right, uh, Brian Tolini uh, writes in, uh, mailbag, uh, David A.K., the transformation and growth of the offensive line should be a lesson uh, to fans on patience and not overreacting to a handful of games. That being said, uh, left guard still seems like a spot to improve upon when it comes to drafting a tackle. If we were to draft one early, do you feel that it uh, it could be to push a core for even more so than more? Uh, thanks and prayers for DeMar Hamlin, he, uh, Brian says. Uh, look. I still think that offensive line needs to be addressed at some point in the first three rounds of this draft. If you can, if uh, we're just looking at the, where this team might end up at, let's say around, I don't know what, 15 or 16 uh, uh, pending them making the playoffs, it would be a little bit lower than that. Uh, I just said uh, I think guards fall. I love guards. You know me. I love guards. I love, 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 love guards. But I think you can get a guard or a center maybe a little bit lower here. So I guess what I'm getting at here is from where I sit right now, I would not be shocked if they don't take an offensive lineman with the first pick. But in the same breath, I'm not against such a thing happening, if that makes sense. Yeah, like I said earlier, if you had theoretically a stud franchise left tackle you know falling into your laps at wherever pittsburgh's picking in the first round whatever whatever number that ends up being you know you can consider that um otherwise i'm probably good with dan moore i think a core four is is who he is at right tackle but i'm not looking to make an immediate change there either maybe a developmental guy behind um when it comes to the o-line the one spot i've continue to, to talk about and look at is left guard dawson's been playing better as of late i'm still leery of the ups and downs and mental mistakes in his game. Um, so it's left guard is where I'm really centering the starting conversation this year. And I think you can do something there. And and look, I, you know, I think uh, Mason Coles played. Uh, it'd be nice to get somebody with a little bit of position versatility, maybe, you know, yeah, as a backup. Yeah. yeah as a backup. Uh, I, I still think you can maybe even address the if you if you go interior early in this thing, I, I think you can still address a tackle position, maybe around five or whatever, you know. Oh, sure. There's those depth that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. Even if you did nothing with the starters, I mean, your backup linemen are, you know, Trent Scott and Jesse Davis and Kendra Green and Austin Hours. So this work to be done there. Um, but in terms of the, 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 the most weighty, costly picks, I think it's guard for me. Oh. Okay, but I mean, they, the, the, the line, and I think it's been a byproduct of uh, continuity. Uh, they have they have gotten better. There's there's no two ways about uh, about it with this offensive line. Uh, uh, not, you know, uh, night and day kind of difference from where they were going into the season to where they are now. Absolutely. Uh, Chandler Stroud writes in Robert's playing morning, guys. Chandler here been busy with work and other things so i've not emailed in a few weeks but i wanted to quickly discuss robert splain's ability to cover running backs or any one for that matter if i have to watch splain try to cover the option routes out of the backfield again i may be physically sick thanks guys and happy wednesday say what you want about <laughs> uh, and, and I, we get it uh, alex has highlighted i don't know how many times 
uh, certain matchups that don't favor Robert Splain in coverage. But let me tell you this. You go back to that one play in that game against the Ravens where the misdirection attempted screen to, I think it was likely uh, there. I don't, that film study got him there on that play. 100%. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, he's never going to be a coverage guy, and them still using him in dime packages, still kind of try to wrap to uh, wrap my head around. Uh, but they like Spillane. That Spillane played a great game overall, and really, you know, Sunday night showed why Spillane sees that continued role in this defense because he's physical, he's a good tackler, he's smart, they trust him. Um, and if you play well against the Ravens, you got a home in Pittsburgh. Right, and... I wouldn't break the bus, you know. Is he going to be still a minimum rec- guy? I think he's more than minimum guy. Uh, he might be. He might be. Uh, Mike Tomlin sure as hell loves him, doesn't he? The Steelers love this guy. And it, well, it, they, they love him and they hate him because every single right. year they try to replace him. I mean, they, they trade for Joe Schubert, you know, right before the season starts last year. They signed Miles Jack this year. You know, every time they've had an opportunity to stick with Spillane, they've, they've looked for somebody else. And then guess who comes back by week 16, week 17? It's old All Bob right. Spillane. And a dude just finds his way to stick in the lineup. We'll see. Don't be shocked that they bring him back. Uh, and, and Boykin, right on my terrible take, they, they got to resign him, right? I think both come back. I think Boykin, and I, I really believe Spillane comes back because Bush will not be retained. I think they're going to bring Spillane back. And, you know, you don't have to break the bank on probably either, though. You probably give those two guys the same damn contract, two years mm-hmm. enough, because I, I don't think either one should probably be on the roster in 2024. Mm-hmm. But to give them the kind of money that they might need to at least stay. It might be a two-year deal, a couple million and a half each, you know, per year. Yeah, there's some flexibility that's offered with that, just, you know, having some options. So, yeah, two years, five million, six million. That might be a good guess, six million right around there. So we can expect Chandler Stroud to email us uh, around uh, before March saying, why in the hell did they re-sign Spillane? (laughs) Uh, yep. uh, we, we get the complaints, uh, 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 Chandler. I mean, we, we, we do, but you know, I think there's, yeah, Alex has done a good job of laying out why, why, and we, the same thing with Edmonds, man. I, it's, it, it, if you, if you want to ha- be able to compete some, they're going to need a couple of these guys back. I think, you know, because there's so many holes on this team. If you don't have guys like that. Sure. You can't. Fill them all in one off season, and there's unintended consequences to returning over your whole roster, basically. And plus, not, not everybody can be a star. You know, right. That stars in this team, you need some role players. But I will say, this team does have to eventually find like a guy at off ball linebacker. They've sure. found that guy. They've gone through so many people. Spillane's not going to be that guy that's here for five years as your top dog. So they got to eventually find that that player. And and keep your fingers crossed. Oh, what I mean, we'll see what happens with Mark Robinson here. Uh, Chris Lookhart writes in, I feel a little uncomfortable asking the question, but I'm curious uh, to know what you fellas think. Do you think that the NFL will have the Bills play the Patriots and then schedule the Bengals game sometime after? Or do you think it just forfeit? Uh, again, I don't like the circumstances of why they ha- I have to ask this question, but I'm curious to know what you both believe will happen if the Bills play the Patriots first. Uh, Chris, I... <sighs> I, I don't even know how we, we kind of address this at the top of the podcast here. I, I understand the worry about it, uh, of how it's going to happen, but I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of energy worrying about how they make this happen. 
Yeah, I understand at some point you have to talk about the football aspect to it because it can't be ignored forever. I mean, I've thought about it some. I've just kind of read some. Um, there's the uh, Twitter account, Football Zebras, which kind of covers all, all things penalties and officiating and those types of elements. And they, they said basically that there is no provision in the CBA that allows the NFL to basically just nullify a game and call it no contest or did not play or whatever. But there appears to be some chatter about that. There's some, some of the reporting and some, some out other sources than that, that they may, uh, they may try to find a way to do that. So my guess is it'll happen one or two ways. Either they will just basically call the game, no contest and not, not be played. And they'll use some um, winning percentage to, to uh, determine these things uh, in terms of seedings, or they're going to try to play this. They're going to push the playoffs back, I guess a week and have a week 19, basically where the wildcard weekend should have been. They're going to play the bills. Bengals game there. That, that that's my guess of the one or two ways this thing's going to go. All right, we'll see. Uh, I'm not. I'm not expending a lot of energy on it because uh, first and foremost, the Steelers got to win their game. Right, um, but we. I mean, not to focus on this too much, but we assume this Bills Patriots game is going to play Sunday at one o'clock, and that's still the expectation. I don't know what to assume anything with, with all, right. all this right now. I, I, I if we if we're going to hear something about it, I would think we'd hear something about it by today. I mean, that would make sense, but I just I don't really know. This is such uncharted territory that I really don't know what to expect. Yeah, I I, I don't need I don't know which way it would go, but I would think that we would have. I think teams would like to know by the end of today what's going to happen. I mean, if again, the focus is on Demar Hamlin, but if they didn't play the Bills game Sunday against the Patriots, when would they play that one? Right. Would they would they nullify the the Bengals game and then play Bills Patriots in a week 19? Is that I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. All right. We'll get more uh, answers by Friday, hopefully. Uh, Deshaun Campbell writes in, uh, with the O-line playing better and cutting down on their penalties, are you guys still projecting offensive linemen uh, with the first or second pick? I'm sure they will grab at least two for depth, but as I watch them grow, I'm starting to think uh, this will still be the starting five next season. There's a good chance of that happening, Deshaun, unless they, uh, once again, I you know, I – I think that there's still a possible. Here's the thing. I think you look at those five. Okay. And then you look at what's behind them. They, they need, they absolutely have to get depth, better depth behind these five. If, even if that, that they go into the sea, the next season and say, these are our same five, uh, the, the probability factor that all five of these guys are going to be able to play. Uh, every you know, nearly every snap like they have next uh, uh, have this year next season is is it just it's a rarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got to upgrade, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with 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 Jesse Davis. Right, that might be one guy of this group that you that you resign automatically. But but beyond that, man, the Trent Scotts, the the Kendrick Greens. Uh, the J.C. Hassenhauer's, you've got to get better there. You absolutely have got to get better. And the way that I believe that the best way to do that is probably in a draft. And so if there is a young stud guard tackle there in the first two rounds, I think you take him, Alex. Yeah, it just depends on on a lot of factors. It's always hard to answer these questions, what position they're going to take. There's so many variables at play, including free agency and what they may or may not address there based on offensive line or other positions of need and what gets filled and what doesn't. And 
you know, what does your board look like? It's it, it just so hard to answer those things. Um, I think you're right about this team meeting depth and that maybe that's where the conversation has at least partially shifted towards. You need a, need a Robert Hainsey. Where's the Robert Hainsey of this draft class? Some, mm-hmm. some big tough guy that can play center, can play guard, tackle in a pinch. I mean, that's the kind of guy you're looking for. A backup tackle is going to be important. It's going to be maybe a veteran Joe Haig-like type signing there I could see. Um, it's just really hard to answer the question of what position they're going to take when we're still so far out and there's still many, still so many hoops to jump through before we can really, you know, we like to play our blues clues in terms of what, right. uh, who they're going to draft. And and that may be tougher this year, but we like to play that game. So I, I just really can't answer that right now. I mean, I, you know, uh, the top tackle, top two tackles would probably be off the board with the Steelers pick in the first round. Mm-hmm. The, the best guard might still be in the, uh, on the board. The best center might still be on the board. Right. Yeah. That seems more likely, you know? So, uh, uh, I, I think to Deshaun's point here, it would not be surprising if week one of the 2023 season, you see the same five out there. Yeah. I still wonder about Dotson. I think these odds of staying have increased, but he's just been a very frustrating player. It's a little like Keller Witherspoon where it's like, yeah, it's good right now, but is it going to be good for the whole next season? Or are you going to kind of regret it halfway through? Uh, Chris Warren writes in, you guys have done a great job covering Mark Robinson in a fair and reasonable way since training camp through today. I understand that we fans sometimes expect day three guys to be starters from day one, and it isn't realistic. But after watching this guy play significant snaps, the fanboy in me wants to see more. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Alex, be ready. Uh, I could. Uh, uh, no, I'm saying uh, Chris, be ready for oh. what Alex said earlier in the show. He says I could because he wants to see more. Uh, Mm. He says, I could see that the guy was confused at times out there, but the speed, the size, the Vince Williams like thumps, get this goon on the field and leave him there. Uh, There is, once again, to recap, there is a lot to be excited about with Mark Robinson. On the flip side, there's a lot that needs to happen with him to, 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 to be on the field, all the snaps. And I think Alex did a great job of laying out why you saw Mark Robinson so much against the Ravens and why Chris Warren will be throwing things in his house mm-hmm. on Sunday when this team plays the, the, the Browns wondering where, where Mark Robinson is. Yeah, that may happen. We'll see how Pittsburgh deploys all their units and the personnel and Miles Jack's health, but uh, would not be surprised to see Robinson take a, more of a backseat role in this game. But we'll uh, see. Uh, Nick Gooden writes, after watching uh, my version of the game, you two highlight a clip eight times. Uh, there are the two th- things that stick out. Jalen Warren's ability to stop on a dime and turn up field is elite. Uh, that, that guy's ankles must be carbon fire, fiber reinforced or the Steelers is going to be able to hold on to both him and Najee for a few years. Uh, you think, uh, number two, personally, I have no clue what the Steelers could do with Matt Canada in the offseason. I know the reports are out there saying he's a dead man walking. I'm not sure that uh, that is the right, what the right move is. Feels like we've gone through such so much pain on the offensive end. The past two or three years that we are starting to finally see the light. What would you guys do if you were the Steelers, blah, 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 or, or what do you think they will do? First and foremost, we've uh, talked a lot about uh, Jalen Warren. He is good about, after the catch of getting that ball and getting upfield uh, uh, quickly there. Uh, the ability to hold on to him, I think it's a three-year contract with him on those uh, undrafted kids, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, so uh, uh, he would, after the end of the third one, he would be a restricted free agent and very easily retained. So as long as uh, Jalen Warren keeps playing the way Jalen Warren's playing, I think you're guaranteed to get 
three more seasons out of him on this roster, plain and simple. Uh, number two, I don't know what the hell they're going to do in Matt Canada. I'm, I, I've reached a point where I, and, and I've, I've been at this point for a couple weeks now. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going to happen with Matt Canada. Yeah, I've really gone back and forth. Obviously, the first six weeks, I thought he's gone. No chance he comes back. Then as this team kind of found a bit more traction, I thought, ah, maybe this guy stays. You know, they don't fire coordinators. The offense has gotten better. And then you had Fittipaldo say weeks, you know, everyone called it a report. It wasn't a report, but his strong belief and his, you know, words carry weight that he's gone 100%. This guy's gone. Players know the whole building knows. I really don't know. I'm with you, Dave. That's my long-winded answer to say I'm just going to wait and see what happens after the season. Ends. I, I will say this, and this is where I'm at on the offense. I said earlier in the show, they have perfected above averageness. They, uh, uh, is that good enough? Technically, no. Uh, they need to score more damn points now, period. And that's, that's, that's that high-level analysis that you guys tune in an <laughs> hour and a half to two hours for. But uh, uh, I will – I will not be shocked either way this goes with Matt Canada at this point. And I know that's not what you want to hear. We're supposed to have all this insight and let you guys know what, what ways are going to happen or what, how this thing's going to turn out. I don't know how this thing's going to turn out. I, mean, I think there's certainly good reason to let him go and to find someone else. There's still a lot of problems with this offense. As you said, they're still the 29th ranked scoring offense, even as they've gotten better. This is their, they're better than, you know, this is, you know, still not good overall um, in terms of the results, but they, they just don't fire coordinators. And Tomlin had a chance to can him after the bye. Would have been a great time to do it. You got blown out by the Eagles. You got a bye week chance to reset. And he stood by him and has publicly defended him even more than he's probably had to. And you just don't, they don't make these kinds of moves. So I don't know. I'm going to hit one last one here. The second part from Bryce here, because this is long. Uh, Kenny Shane Pickett, I'm a little more conservative with this than you guys, and we'll wait until eight or nine games into the season. I think we've kind of been saying. We, you know, Dave just said that since day one, about six yeah. games in the next yeah. year. Yeah, uh, to have a definitive evaluation. I, you know, I, 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 what I said uh, after the game, immediately after the game, there were, there were a lot of pause. There were things in that game against the Ravens that I wanted to see that he checked off some boxes, uh, with here. Now, uh, uh, Bryce goes on to say at this point, do you think the lack of pushing the football down the field is more product of play calling the scheme or Kenny lacking skills with the deep ball? Uh, it, 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 it could be, uh, it really could be all about, look, you're not, you're not going to throw, a 38-yard pass down the right side against a cover three situation. You know? Right. And this team wants to still play it safe, not turn the ball over, not make that big mistake. They can't afford it. And so it has made this offense overall more conservative. Do we need to see the Kenny Pickett hole two, uh, cover two hole shot? I don't need to see it. I just, you know, hopefully those things will come with time right. in terms of making plays downfield. I just need him to right now do what he's been doing, taking care of the football, leading drives when he has to, making the, the weighty, the critical plays, and playing how he is. And if he play, if he keeps playing the way that he is right now, those, those deep balls will come. He almost had one to Deontay, who just, right. you know, just came so close to a, you know, completion, completion. So, I mean, that would have been, that was a good ball that if he, if, he, if they convert that one, then we're not having this conversation. Here, 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 here's what I said the other day about Pickett, too, and about the deep ball. I, I'm, I'm having a hard time envisioning him being the Josh Allen, Mahomes, uh, uh, kind of bro what Burroughs even become. Can can he can he get 
I don't I have problems envisioning him being the elite home run hitter. Yeah, he's never going to be that. Can he be the 38 yard home run hitter? I think he can. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, working a West Coast offense and that's, you know, taken on different shapes and variations over the years, but it's a shorter pass game. It's more rhythmic, more timing, more short intermediate type stuff. And if he can excel there and get to average in terms of his deep ball, then you can work with that. I mean, the, the high side of Ben during his prime, I think Ben was hitting 62, 58, and I'm talking yards past the line of scrimmage in the air. Yeah, he, he won't be you know like we Ben. I don't think he'll be Ben. No, I, I I don't think he'll be that. Can can he be can his top end be 46, 47? I think so, probably. I mean we've seen that on the college tape. And I what I say is longest in, in college was like, I don't know, 52 or something, 50, 55, and that's really him putting uh putting the plums into it, I think. Putting the plums into it. A phrase we all understand. <laughs> uh yeah, I think that sounds about right. Uh, so there is a little bit of concern, some on a deep ball, but if he does the rest of the stuff, good, you know, make, make plays out of structure and start hitting them, cover two hole shots and them 38 yard shots, uh, down the field and them, uh, them, uh, uh, uh shots to Steven Sims, like he had in that game. I think he'd, he'd be fine from there, but, uh, yeah. once, and- you know, you know, come, come get me after about six games next year. Right. That's what you've been. Even before Pickett took a snap, that's basically what you were saying. So I think that's been your philosophy for a long time. That's certainly a, a fair and good one to have. You thought that George Pickens enough, he'll make plays. I mean, you know, this offense has to be, be more vertical. It has to create more splash plays. We just talked about that earlier in the show, no question. Um, but it's not going to necessarily define Pickett. And again, he keeps playing the way he's been playing you know, in his Ravens game. Then everything else will take care of itself. I think if we had a producer right now, he'd be giving us the high side. Oh, yeah. I kind of lost. Well. We're not the worst on time today. What, what are we, hour and what? Hour and a half-ish. I thought we were closer to two. We had a long pre-production meeting, so. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, we'll let's do up. one more email here okay. from from right. uh, from Pastor Joe Green. He's a, he's a long-time emailer. Yeah. Uh, Dave and Alex, love the site, love the show, best on the interwebs. A question about run success rate. Before the bye, after the bye, last four games. Curious about your thoughts. I don't have those numbers in front of me. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit about that immediately and hopefully the season is not over. Look, we, we, th- here's the reality. <laughs> the, the season could come crashing to the halt, uh, on Sunday, or we could be back at this thing, getting ready for, for, for a wild card game. Uh, I, pastor Joe, I, we'll, we'll, we'll start talking about those numbers here. Uh, maybe by next week here. He says, curious about your thoughts. O-line is finally jailing running backs and O-line really seem to be in sync. He says, go Steelers. Uh, The run success obviously is better. I don't think maybe the run success is maybe at where I I, I dare say it's at at the 55% mark. I I don't think it is, but it has been quite better that, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin said, you know, keys when talking about defending against the Browns coming up here, uh, they, the Browns did such a good job of getting in the third and short situations in that first meeting, you know, mm-hmm. uh, between the two teams, the Steelers have become that team on offense where other teams are having, are talking about, you know what? The Steelers are good, uh, getting in third and third and manageable situations. Yep. And, and that's a kind of a by- byproduct of the four yards and a cloud of dust running game, I think. 
No, it's a great point, but it's a great framing by you. I mean, this team is still averaging, what, three and a half, 3.7 yards per, per carry. So I imagine their success rate number is probably not among the tops in football, but they're still, they're avoiding negative plays. They are staying mostly on schedule. As you said, they're getting in. You've had a lot of the third down situations right. on, on Sunday. I mean, how many third and ones? Pickett had two sneaks and they had a fullback dive to Watt. Those were all third and ones that were converted. So probably had six or seven you know, plays a third and two, third and three and shorter. And so I think that's a, a good point. Um, I'll give you one defensively just to it, it jog my, my uh, memory about the uh, 4-4 defense that Pittsburgh ran. So defensive success rate against the Ravens when Pittsburgh used their 4-4 defense with Mark Robinson, with the Marvin Leal, the Ravens had a 30% run success rate. So they were doing nothing against that look. Good, good stats sir. Uh, Joe, look, I, I think the, from where we were at the start of this season, where we are, it, 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 let's throw out the Ritz cracker. I mean, it, 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 it boy, it, it really seems like a good tasting cracker right now. Uh, but I don't think it's as good as what it could be. And once again, Give me, give me some explosive runs, man. That's why it took me so long to come off a high from that 30 something run by Jalen Warren the other night there, man. Those are the things, especially the ones that you see other teams, they go to the end zone from 25 or more yards out. You start adding those things in there, man, it really takes, you know, you start running like that. It really takes, uh, you know, takes the pressure off a, off of a, a young quarterback and the running game and the passing game. And it really starts opening things up. So uh, it is a better run game. It's probably, we, we will look back at specifically before the buy, after the buy, last four games. Uh, maybe that's something I know uh, Clayton, uh, uh, our stats guy, Clayton listens uh, and all, maybe he can come up with something here uh, fairly soon on, on, run success rates to save me some time here but uh thanks for the uh comment there pastor joe green now you got me wondering how many what does pittsburgh rank and i know it's going to be very low in terms of number of even just 15 yard touchdown runs this year what do you what do we think pittsburgh stacks up across the nfl it's looking like not, they're t- not they have one that was the, the nausea 19 and there are one two three four five other teams with just one I don't know if any team has zero. I can't pull that information right. off the, uh, the top here. The Browns lead with five. The Browns are tied with Dallas, Green Bay, the Jets, and Seattle with five rushing touchdowns, 15-plus yards. All right. Now, now here, now back it up a little bit further here. Uh, uh, do, do runs of 10 yards or more. It touchdowns or not, or just or just, 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 just runs of 10 yards or more. All right. Uh, let me do that here quickly. Again, I – well – Pittsburgh, I think, is that kind of middle of the pack on that. Right, one, right, right. right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. They okay, are. Now, they have fifty uh, of them. Okay, uh, runs of ten yards or more. Okay, now, now drill that down to Steelers only, and tell me what the running backs take. Take out the wide receivers in the scrambles. Okay, so just how many? What's the division of labor of those fifty by uh, Steelers running backs? Is what right, you're asking. Right. All right, let me do that with our good friends over at Stathead. Which, uh, by the I- way, if you got some uh, Christmas money in your pocket, man. Uh, a year subscription to Stathead, and we make absolutely nothing off telling you this. Uh, it, it, it's valuable advertising, but we uh, spend your money on Stathead, man. If you learn how to use that filter, you can find damn near everything ex- <laughs> except maybe uh, what was the stat we were looking for the other oh, day? God, I'm getting me PTSD. We, we found it though. Uh, the, the stat of we think we rookie found quarterbacks it. to rookie receivers touchdowns with. 
two minutes to go in regulation because NFL had the stat that Pickett was the fourth. They never said what the other three were. We found at least two. We think we think we found the third. That was an hour of my life. That <laughs> I love going through box scores in 1983, finding out. You no, know, anyway, that's yeah. what we do. What we do anyway. To answer the questions. Four different Steelers backs have a, a run of ten plus yards this year. Najee Harris has nineteen. Jalen Warren has ten. Benny Snell has two. Anthony McFarland has one. So Harris, Warren, uh, lead with 19 and 10, respectively. All right. Uh, now go back and sort them by league-wide and go to individual player. And where does uh, – didn't, didn't we do that? And Najee ranks kind of down in the bottom uh, of the league. Like in 20-something. In, in 10-yard runs amongst running backs. That that's that goes back to kind of what, why I – running backs from more fungible aspect and why it was so against not necessarily Najee, uh, the player, but the running back in the first round, man. Uh, I, he, look, he's, he's, he's done everything the Steelers have asked him to do and he's, he's stayed healthy on top of it and he's running physical and he's back healthy and all like that. It's just where they're missing the boat on the running game, in my opinion, are more of these explosive runs. And I think it's something that you could see coming with him before they even drafted him. I feel like I'm the court jester today here for your entertainment, Dave. Uh, I don't have the way to do it uh, just for running backs. I'm just kind of eyeballing it, but that looks to be around 20th in terms of Najee okay. Harris's 19 carries, 10 plus yards. The leader in that category is Nick Chubb, who has 43, who the Steelers will see on Sunday. All right. Uh, are there any couple undrafted guys higher up in that list? I'll read off the top running backs here. Nick Chubb, he was second round. Josh Jacobs, first round. Derrick Henry, was he first or second round? It was Henry. Second round, wasn't he? Second round, yeah, I think. Miles Sanders, where was Miles Sanders draft? He was a later second and second round. Okay. Not a first round guy. Barkley, first round. Tony Pollard, so that's, uh, was he fifth round? What was Tony Pollard? Fourth round. Uh, Aaron Jones, was he second round? Fifth round. Aaron Jones was a fifth round pick, so... Uh, Dalvin Cook first round. All right, so so pedigree guys in there just uh, it's just not what Najee is. Yeah, I mean, not. I, you think it would be a ten plus? I mean, I wonder. I would like to see what it's been since. Okay, I'm going to do one more thing here. One more thing. I promise. <laughs> just one more thing. Uh, since down, like the bye, down the rabbit hole he goes. Down <laughs> I just want to know. Goodbye, Alex. Yeah, yeah. You'll never hear from me again. I just want to know what the because uh, obviously the run game was was a mess before the bye. They weren't getting anything. Ten yards felt like a. A mountain to climb like it was Everest. So, what has it been since the buy? I assume Harris is not top of that category, but I just want to see since week 10. And there are some bye weeks that may mess these numbers up for other backs. Uh, Najee has. Can't you sort it by games, by game number? Well, I think you, yeah, I think you can. Uh, I just, uh, I have the buys pulled up right or the weeks pulled up right now. Najee Harris has 10, which is still not terribly high on this list behind Pollard, Jacobs, Chubb, Brian Robinson, Dr. Foreman, McCaffrey. Dobbin Sanders, et cetera, et cetera. So it's actually not uh, working in, in Harris's favor. Okay. Anyway, point is Najee never going to be that, that big play guy, which is what I said right out of shoot, with yeah, which is really what we said since he was drafted. So I just kind of wasted everybody's time with telling you stuff you already know, but Hey, if you're here this long, then you're, you're glutton for punishment. But it is, it, It's another reason to have someone in the backfield like Warren who can deliver those. Yeah, I mean, for, it's not like it's weird though because Warren's not a four-four burner. And what did he run? I mean, Jalen Warren did not run a great time coming out, but he's just a little bowling ball that's really but downhill, he, really explosive. Here's the thing: is though he gets to the line, he he gets yeah. to it, he gets he gets to that hole quicker. You know? Yeah, he ran a four-five-five, but I mean, this guy doesn't run like four-four-four-five-five four, five when you put the pads on. So there you go. But he he got that turner corn the other night. 
Yeah, no, I'm saying when you put the pads on, he becomes a more explosive guy than maybe he tested the way that he likes. It's, it's that, it's, as you said, it's kind of that Jones Drew, really squatty, powerful lower half. It just is a really good burst. All right. Okay. Shall we get out of here? Yep. We'll come back on Friday and uh, see where the whole sports world lies. All right. We'll try to get our buddy Scott covers the Browns on and, 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 and do what we normally do on a Friday show. So, uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad free version of the site, go to SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button upright navigational bar and follow the directions that way. Uh, uh man great 90 minutes alex i enjoyed yeah, uh, talking that too. with you there uh we will be back on friday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex